want to call we want to um we just want to be able to showcase black magic within the city of milwaukee and we want to make sure you guys have an opportunity to see all of the wonderful things that are going on so first things first we have our, our beautiful panel of black women today we have miss kayla lewis uh oh, wait a second. Sorry, Mr. Portis changed the screen and, and now it mixed me up a little bit. We have Kayla Lewis from Full Circle TV. We have Miss Tayana from Black Lens, Milwaukee. And we have Naisha. Wait, one second. Miss Naisha from, let me get it together, y'all, because y'all know I like to have it together. step in from Carved in Stone. Um, and Carved in Stone is a platform that highlights the positive. So instead of going on the Shade Room Teens, you want to go on Carved in Stone to see the positive things going on within the community, you guys. So before we kick this off, I want to ask you just from the introductions, how are you guys feeling? Just drop a chat real quick. How are we feeling about listening to this panel today? Just give me a Okay, okay. We got some good things going on here in the chat, y'all. I love to see it. Okay, so first things first, I'm going to start off with Kayla from Full Circle, and I'm going to ask her to please share with us a bit of your personal journey and how did you find yourself doing what it is that you do today? Kayla, you're muted. I can't even see Kayla. Girl, I'm telling y'all, thank you and all kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you so much for having me today. <laughs> so I'm Kayla Lewis Allen with Full Circle Television. Um, like I was saying, thank you so much for putting this together. Um, I actually attended Tech High School for a few months of my high school career. Um, so I know all about those hallways. I know all about y'all programs and everything that y'all got going over there, uh, going on over there. But how I got to doing full circle television is, um, I was engaged to be married. Um, and this was 2018 and I started asking myself some really deep questions to kind of figure out, um, uh, was I ready to be someone's wife? Because the relationships that I saw growing up never aspired me to be anyone's wife, just from the relationships that I saw on TV and even the ones that I saw in my household. So I didn't want to be anyone's wife, but I met an amazing man who changed my mind on that and just changed the way that I viewed love and the way that I viewed marriage. So with that, I started asking myself some deep questions. I'm like, are you going to pass up on this because of what you saw or are you going to figure out yourself? So I had to like be my full self, I started asking myself, like, how did you see love shown in your household growing up? Um, what makes you uh, tick? You know, what are your triggers and those things? And I started to answer those questions. And while I was doing that, I was doing that kind of like in secrecy, like at three o'clock in the morning by myself, really trying to figure myself out. When I felt like I got to the place that I knew who I was um, in my full capacity, then I started asking my husband those same questions. And while we started to have these deeper conversations on a deeper level than what's your favorite color and what's your favorite restaurant. Um, we thought that it was some really amazing questions and that we should create some content around that so that we can hear other folks' stories. Um, so we started our television show, Relationship Goals, the series, um, where we talked to familial, platonic, as well as romantic relationships. So we have friends on the show. We have parents with their adult children on the show talking about their relationship. And then we also have like married couples or couples that have been together or dating um, to talk about their relationships. So with that, we needed a place to house our series and we created Full Circle Television, which is like our BET. Um, so it is a dig digital platform on um, fullcircletelevision.com. So like a Netflix as well, where you can go to the website and watch all of our shows. So that's kind of how I got started. And um, it's something that I always wanted to do and kind of just, you know, had that conversation with my husband and he was like, do it. 
do it now. Let's get this done. Um, and we bought a camera and we bought a computer and we real life just started making a TV show just like that. Wow, I love that. So just really quick, the message that I got from Kayla was just to get up and do it. And I know a lot of you guys are interested in YouTube and those things like that. So take the resources that you have, you guys, and make something of it. I really like that. So I'm going to go back because um, I'm going to go back to Carved in Stone and I'm going to ask Miss Naisha the same question of just share with us a little bit about your journey and how did you find yourself doing what it is that you're doing today. Hey y'all everybody, uh, Naisha Stone. So I'm a journalist. Uh, I have, I've had my degree since 2004, no, 2018 at UWM. So um, I really had no aspirations or no dreams to be a journalist. I always knew I wanted to go to college and I like writing I found out, you know, journalism was a major. So that's kind of how I got involved with it. But then um, a fun story is, uh, Trump had just got elected, uh, and my teacher, my white teacher, was like, let's go interview people about why they went from voting from Obama to Trump. You know, me being black, and you know, my Afro, we going into like 100% rural areas, so I'm like, is that going to be racist? Like, you know, what are we going to do if that happens? So she was like, if they are racist, it's a big group of us, you know, we could just leave, you know, we'll be okay. So I bring that trip up just to say that I got started doing Carbon Stone because early on, I was put into situations where I was only covering certain things because it was super negative or because I was black. And it was, that was like one of my first experiences with it. But I did, I did realize I could get anybody to talk to me. So um, as I grew in my career and I started writing for the journal Sentinel, Shepard Express, working with CNN, traveling to Wall Street Journal and like all this stuff, I just realized how screwed the media really is. And even working for like, you know, black publications, like they only covered the news a certain way as well. And it was just really tiring me out. And I only had been in it for like three, four years. So I'm like, I can't keep doing this. Like, this is not something I want to do. So um, just me being young and me being surrounded by creatives, musicians, painters, or dancers, whoever, I was like, why don't I just start interviewing people? Um, let me just create a website and just start featuring people on the website. My best friend, Jarrell, came up with the name Carbon Stone. And that's what it was for like a year and a half. And after that, I'm like, I'm still writing for other people. I'm actually reporting on the news. Let me start doing that. Actually get press releases. I mean, uh, press credentials, have people send me press releases and really start covering things. And little did I know was I was always covering positive news. It wasn't until last year that we really said, like, we're your weekly source of positive news, not knowing the whole time. That's what we always been covering. So I kind of just fell into positive news. And now that I know that's what we're doing, I'm consistently pushing it because when you do turn on you know, the news on TV or when you go on social media, not even just the state room, but, you know, CNN or, you know, Washington, Washington Journal, Washington State Journal, whatever, Wall Street Journal, here I am not saying the names right. Um, you just see how much negativity and you start to believe that, like, people that have never been to Milwaukee who live in Wisconsin think it's only, you know, criminals that live here. They look at black people like they deserve the stuff that happens to them, not even knowing that we're just human beings and we want the same stuff y'all want. You know, we want respect. We want, you know, clean water. You know, the simple things, but going to the media, you never notice that. So through my media company, push your positivity along, you know, with grants and scholarships and stuff, because I know as young people, we don't always get those opportunities. Okay, sorry about that. I thought I was on mute. Um, I really appreciate that. And I like the fact that you pointed out it's not even about the shade room. It's about CNN. And it took me back to a time when the insurrection happened. And I was just glued to CNN because I wanted to be informed about what was going on. But it definitely had an effect on my mood. And I think that it's important to make sure the things that we are taking in um, I think that it's a balance of what you take in and I just appreciate you for holding space for the positive um, in the world. I appreciate that. Okay, so next I'm bringing to the stage, not Tiana, Tiana. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, from Black Lands, Milwaukee. Yes. So, so please tell us a little bit about your journey and how is it that you're doing what you're doing today? Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, thank you to Mr. Portis for calling me and telling me about this opportunity. I always love being able to talk uh, with young people and be in the company of dope black women too. So I'm Tiana McLaurin and I'm actually a community outreach coordinator with Black Lens, but I would describe my journey as being a person, a, a woman who's interested 
and continues to be interested in a lot of different things. And so uh, my full-time job is at Marquette University, Assistant Director of Service Learning. So I work a lot with uh, college students. I used to be an admissions uh, uh, recruiter too for another university. Um, but how I got involved with Black Lens was just through volunteering. And so service has been a big part of my story too. Uh, I served for five years in the Peace Corps in Ghana, West Africa as a volunteer, uh, did AmeriCorps twice. So before I left for uh, Ghana, West Africa, and then when I came back. And so always been passionate about the arts, health, just the well-being of Black people in general. And so I was doing a project uh, at a local high school uh, and where we use film to talk to students about social justice issues. And so it was a curriculum that was formed, um, the, comp the organization is out of New York, it's called React to Film. And so through that, um, I got involved with Black Lens because um, they exclusively show films from Black directors and producers. And so Black Lens is a part, is a program part of Milwaukee Film. And you may not know this about uh, Milwaukee, but Milwaukee Film has uh, the ninth largest film festival in the country. And when we're talking about film festivals, we mean um, all like from all of the the very prominent film festivals in the country uh, our city is in the top 10 and so it's two plus weeks of hundreds and hundreds of films we got many directors producers um, coming in and out of milwaukee and it usually happens um october this year is going to be in may and so uh when the film festival first came around uh we they put out a program book and in that program book you can see all of the films that are there and me being that i'm like well i'm only i only want to know about black people's stories and stuff i would literally circle all of the little descriptions where i saw black people I was like okay this has a black person okay and then i would go see the film uh black lens was uh founded by uh two black men dr dante mcfadden and gerard blanks and they have a whole history being in milwaukee and they they both went to uwm and they did a lot of different programming uh within milwaukee so fast forward uh 2014 2016, um, they started Black Lens, and we only show films from Black directors and producers because it's important that we are able to tell our story. Like Kayla Lewis uh, has her TV line because it's important that we have some ownership over our narratives, just like uh, Naisha, like we can control the narrative, right? Um, and so when they started showing those films, I was very interested. Um, so the, the students that I was working with at the high school uh, with the film curriculum, I would intentionally take them to see the films that Black Lens was screening. And that turned into uh, me talking to Gerard and saying like, hey, let me, per let me start promoting this because I, I just like knowing a lot of different things that's happening in the city, um, but also making sure that people are aware that these things exist in our city. There's so, so many things that we may not know exist in our city. And it's important that we know that there are resources out there. And so that turned into um, me volunteering, just my time because I just, I just love the work that was happening uh, to being a position, uh, a working position. And so what I do is I help um, connect community organizations to our different film series. So right now, quick plug, we have the Black, Black History Month program going on right now. Uh, you can watch films virtually. You can go to mkefilm.org slash BHM. Uh, and we also, I also help plan events. And so just this week, uh, we had three events, um, virtual events. So we had Dr. Joan Morgan, we were talking about Black women, pleasure. Uh, we had a panel of Black fathers talking about how uh, their relations with their daughters. And we just had a panel yesterday with uh, Black women talking about Black women's worth. And so to be able to connect with film directors and help plan programming around film and discussions uh, is what I love. This is like a passion type of job for me. And um, so, so I work full-time here at Marquette. I work part-time. Uh, with Milwaukee Film, and I'm also a graduate student too at um, Marquette too. So I just, I'm just very interested in a lot of different things, and what I'm passionate about at this point, I try to go for it, 
get it in, do all of that good stuff. And so that is how. So through service um, and just also just being very interested in the arts um, and narratives and stories uh, of, with Black people. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, again, you guys, as young people, it's very important um, to, to notice and realize what you watch and what you see because you think, you think that it doesn't matter, but it does. And you think that your, our ideals and, and values come from the things that we see. And so it's important, it's really important to, it's just important, period. Okay, so next question I have for you guys, I'm going to ask is how does it feel for you to show up as a black woman every day? And this is an important question because we asked last year, we had a mixed panel. This year it's not mixed, it's just women. But last year we asked how does it show up, feel to show up as a black woman every day? And I think it was really eye-opening um, for some of the students. So that's what we are gonna ask you guys as well today, starting with Kayla. Okay, I'm unmuted now. <laughs> um, so you say, how does it feel to show up as a black woman? Um, today, um, it feels like, what's the, what's the song like? It feels good to be black before um, quite some time when I like, you know, finished school and I went into corporate America, um, it was very intimidating to be the black woman um, in corporate America. Y'all see, I got my braids today, right? But there was a time where uh, I didn't even feel comfortable wearing braids to an interview um, to these white corporations. I worked for Chase Investments um, and I was the youngest and the only black girl there. So nobody talked like me. Um, nobody dressed like me. No one was shaped like me. Um, so I got a lot of ridicule um, even down to, yeah, it, it's probably TMI, but um, I got a lot of ridicule for the way that I looked in the way that I presented myself. So that made me think since I was the minority that I needed to switch, right? Like I needed to talk like them. I needed to wear my hair like them. Oh, let me go get some bundles. Let me straighten them out. Let me not, you know, ever show my kinky hair. Let me not ever show them that I'm really black. Um, so that was very, very hard. Um, now um, at age 31, I'm going to show up like me. I'm going to talk like me. I'm going to listen to my music. If we have icebreakers and y'all asking me, what did you listen to on the way to work today? I'm not going to tell you. I listened to some NSYNC song. I listened to Gucci on my way here. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so now I am so comfortable with showing up as me and I'm not going to coat switch for anybody. Um, but it took me some time to really understand myself to know that it's okay to be me, even in these white spaces, even in these predominantly white spaces, always show up as myself because there's somebody coming up from behind me. Like there, there's another generation coming up behind me that needs to know that it's okay to show up as you. It's okay, like, you know, they're always saying like, oh, that's not, you're not saying this right, or you're not, you can't say ain't, or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, no, that's kind of how we talk and we get each other. And as long as we get each other, we gonna get through this. So like now it's very, very important for me to show up as my full black self. I could just really go on about that for days and days and days, but we will not even get through half of the questions that I need to ask you guys. And I just really appreciate you for saying what you said. I'm gonna move next to Naisha. And I kind of want to hear, I, not I kind of want to hear, I want to hear the same thing from you. So. Kayla kind of touched on why representation matters and why it's important to be herself. So I'm going to ask you too, Naisha, would you kind of put that all in one? How does it feel to show up every day? Why does that representation matter? And why is it important for you to show up as who you are? You know what I think is crazy is that we got to have these type of conversations because we have been pushed down so far. Like, would you ever ask a white person, how does it feel to be white? You know, not saying specifically you, but I'm just saying, though, like, you know, like, in society, like, we don't ask people, like, how does it feel to wake up? Like, they just wake up and it's them. They don't notice that they're white. They just literally show up. Like, I'm pretty sure each of us on this call can remember the one time you knew you was black. Like, that first time. Like, you'd be like, 
you could just be playing with kids all day and then one day like somebody just comes to you you know you like damn like I'm sorry for cussing but like would I have I been treated that way if I was somebody else you know but um I love being a black uh I was raised by my white granny so um it was definitely different because she grew up from a racist family so like I never met my her her parents they end up dying you know early on or whatever so it's just always like this been this battle because my mom she's half white half black so she's been taught like she she used to use her white side to like get like she'll put like white instead of black to get like certain stuff and she looks more white than I do and um I remember one time I was told by somebody like you know try putting white on this application you know and I was like what like why would I do that like and so like just you know early on you, you really taught to like tone down your blackness and I never understood that like I really had to teach my dad how to love natural hair because I, you know how many black men or people not even just black men but just people have told me like when are you going to do your hair or that I've had bad hair and so you know those type of things like just because like I'm saying a lot of I'm saying a lot but it's just it's, it's a lot being a black woman and because like you just want to me just being a regular, I can't just wake up with my, not do my hair or put some water on it or whatever, because people are going to look at you a certain way or, you, or how you were saying, Kayla, like how you just now wearing, you know, braids and stuff like that. We actually made a post on Carbon Stone about how this uh, black woman reporter actually forgot her name, but she had, she made a tweet about her finally wearing her hair on TV. And it was just like, we should already have, we shouldn't even have to have these conversations. It should just be that way because this is how my hair grows. Like, why is that news? Why is that news? So, yeah, like, literally, why is that on the news? Like, this white person, her straight hair is not the news, but me wearing my curly hair to this meeting with this executive with the books is something huge. Like, I've literally had family members tell me, like, you need to change your hair before you go to this interview. And I told them at, like, 16, 17, if they don't want me, I'm not going to work at that job. And so, like, even though I came with that confidence, it's looking just till now that I really, like, believe that confidence. Like, I've literally had to tell, like, big executives, like, the only reason you treat me this way is because I'm young and I look the way I do. If I was with CNN or if I was with this, you wouldn't treat me this way. And all that, like, I believe that crying inside, like, I got to fake and put on this wall. But I shouldn't have to do that at 20, 21 years old. You should see my enthusiasm and how hard I work to even get to the table. And that should be more than enough to speak for that. So just to answer the question, um, being a black woman is hard, but I love it. I would not want to be nobody else because can't nobody hair grow like ours. You know, our different body shapes. We have beautiful body shapes. Us three on the panel right now have completely different body shapes, but we're all beautiful, you know? And so, like, just teaching our younger students that, like, it's okay to be you, like you said, Kayla. Like, it's okay. And, like, be you, be black, and, you know, maybe Black History Month. (laughs) And that's on what? Mary had a little lamb. Okay. That's what you got to know. Yes, Naisha. I love that. And uh, of course, um, Tiana, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with that. I'm in my mind. I'm like, don't say Tiana, say Tiana. You can can say Tiana. You can, you can say that. No. No. Yeah. No, don't let nobody say your name wrong. Nope. Tell people how to say your name. You do not let you. Because if we can say, um, what's one of those hard names? I don't know. Magrowski or or something like that. They can say the other ones. You know, we can can do it. true. true. (laughs) Um, true. But I want to pose the same question to you. I want to ask you those same kind of, it's kind of a, a, a layered question. How does it feel to show up every day as a Black woman? Why does that representation matter? And why is it so important for you to be able to be yourself? So uh, I, I just watched a film last week called Invisible Portraits. Uh, we, sh- we screened it for a week um, for Black History Month. Uh, and it's, it was only shown for a week, but it will screen on OWN, on the OWN network starting in March. And I just need all Black women to see that film because it's a great, um, it provides a wonderful historical um, narrative about how Black women have been treated, um, the things that we have to go through. Um, it's just very eye-opening. And, and I'm a history person I'm into reading history, all of that stuff. And so a lot of the things, the information was Yes, I knew this, but just how it's represented in the film. And so being a Black woman, yes, um, America does not deserve us. The U.S. does not deserve Black women at all. I'm just convinced. Like that film right there just 
just settle, does not deserve our brilliance that I don't know. And then we just, how we are um, and how we support, how we care, how we nurture, how we fight, all of that. It's just beautiful. And to be a part, to be a part of that lineage, it's just amazing. And it's, and it, it tells me like, Tiana, how can you not show up every day and just not be proud? Um, there's just no way. Um, and my experience being on the continent of Africa and meeting, building sisterhood there and, and meeting women, working with uh, younger women, it's just that I just can't imagine not being able to show up the way that I do. And as I've gotten older, um, and I'm very happy to hear that Naisha at her age is already there. Like, and I keep telling college students right now, like, one, like you, I want you to be there now, not later and you're figuring out. So if my job is to help you see it now and be unapologetic now, I need you to do it now. Um, and so it's definitely challenging. It's definitely challenging. But I think I've gotten to a point where I made up my mind. It's like, yeah, life is y'all not about to run me to the ground like y'all not. You already don't deserve me. You already don't. I am here for the next generation of young black women. You don't deserve me. And you're not about to run me to the ground at all. Um, There's just too much uh, that I have going on. Um, you know, too many people to inspire, you know, also be of service to all that stuff. And so, yes, it's definitely challenging. And uh, I've had to pick and choose my battles. Um, but also being comfortable and knowing that if I don't want to do something, I, I don't have to. Um, and I can definitely um, kind of make a pathway for myself. Um, and so for me, I just keep, I just keep like my grandmother, my mother, a whole bunch of black women with me every single day um, to just kind of help me get through, especially those uh, tough times. And that may sound a little cliche, but like you really have to dig deep because again, the world, uh, particularly this society, uh, is probably not going to do that for you because um, it's not set up that way. Um, and so what support network can you have for yourself to, to make sure that you show up in your most realest, rawest, raw self? Um, and so I just love it. I, I, there, mm -mm, I, we are, we are everything, yes. everything, period. Yes. yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I love that experience too. I'm especially interested, you know, maybe this is a conversation for another time, but I'm especially interested hearing about your trip to Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you guys, I want to pivot a little bit and ask you guys what, um, if you could tell me in a short sentence, what is the secret to unlocking your confidence because it is a certain confidence that you have to have and I'll tell you guys quickly for all of the students who I've taught on this call and those of you who just see me in the hallway I didn't I didn't think I was attractive until I be, uh, became an adult I didn't have and the reason why is because people used to tell me how dark I was and you so dark and have you been out in the sun because you black and I was just you know it didn't make me feel good you know, I've struggled a lot with insecurity growing up because of how people, um, I'm, and I'm going to be honest, not even because of white people, because I didn't grow up around white people. My proximity was to black people. And so I'm saying this to say that as young black people, when we ribbing on each other or whatever we're doing with our peers, we want to make sure that it's okay to have fun, like, of course, but we just want to make sure that you're not pouring into somebody who already might be insecure about who they are. And, and like I said, a lot of that, me not liking how dark I was and, oh my God, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to get darker. Oh my God. It came from the people that I was in proximity to, close to. Um, so I want to take a quick pause right here, you guys. I want everybody to give me one word about how they're feeling about this discussion so far. Just one word, real quick. Drop it in the chat. Drop it like it's hot. Down on in the chat. Let's go.
on, y'all better drop those words. Come on, vocabulary. We see it, y'all. And we love to see it. Okay. All right. So while we are while we are dropping our things in the chat, and I really appreciate appreciate you guys for participating. I really, really, really do. Um, I would like to know. Can you give me one word, one word about what black joy means to you? And I'm going to start with Miss Kayla. One word. Just give me one word about what black joy means to you. Black joy to me is freedom. Mm. Period. Can I put my word in, y'all? I know I'm the host, but y'all know I like to insert <laughs> something. My word is skate. Like I put on my skates yesterday, y'all, my roller skates, and I was rolling around the house and I feel good. So my word for Black Joy is just skating. That's my word. Um, next, I'm going to ask Naisha. Um, necessary. 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 I love it. And Tiana, going to ask you next. I'm going to say mandatory. Mandatory. Yes. yes. You got to find it. You can't find it. You have to, like we, it has to be mandatory. I have to make it mandatory in my life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So now I want to ask a question when it comes to students or people that you have mentored, what do you have a first um, hand experience regarding black joy with a student? And I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna let y'all come off a of mute for that one. Go ahead. Oh, I want to go first because I literally just um, through Young Enterprise and Society, um, I was teaching a journalism program for six weeks and we literally just finished up last week and we just released a video. So for six weeks virtually, I was teaching high school students, you know, about journalism and all that stuff. And so most of them never put their cameras on. So I really felt like, you know, maybe they wasn't getting nothing out of it. But then the last day it was in class because I brought in somebody from the books for them to interview. And so two students came in and they killed it. And I mean, like, amazingly. And then my mentor, he tells me like, hey, the students said they loved the class. Only thing they didn't like was that it was virtual. And then on top of that, he said one of the students wanted to be a doctor. Now they're thinking about something else. I said, are you kidding me? Like, are you like, wow, like, teaching people at such a young age and really having an impact. And it don't seem like real to me. Like, even though like, I'm still like, that's so cool to me. Like, I be thinking about all my ideas by myself and like, I'm still learning. So to be able to inspire somebody is so awesome. Cause I really didn't look up to a lot of people, especially my age. Like it was always somebody like 30, 40 or whatever, you know, it'd be like 24. Like that's so amazing. So I'm still happy and floating off of that. Yes, Naisha. Okay. Kayla, are you ready? Can you repeat that question? Yes, ma'am. So just as a, um, we want to know if you have a first hand it's okay if you don't we want to know if do you have a first hand experience with a student experience in black joy um i don't know if i could say with a student but for me as a student my first time experience in black joy and what's so cool is um that you are a black female uh math teacher my black female uh math teacher miss upchurch with roseville uh, at roseville um creative arts um that was my first time experience and like i love this teacher this is my girl like we still <laughs> friends on facebook to this day like when i see people from um middle school they like oh i ran into miss upchurch and she asked have i talked to you like like our connection was so deep and she probably don't even know what she meant to me um but she was an amazing teacher so i could say that i don't necessarily say that i had that connection with the student but i was the student that had that connection with my teacher okay thank you and then last but not least tiana yeah so um well i hope you know black students if they work with me experience joy i think <laughs> they do uh you just never know sometimes uh but one student um so i used to work with her at the local high school i worked at um and she i met her when she was a freshman um in high school um, and then we kind of stayed in contact and I was able to uh, be of assistance to her when she was getting going to college. And so her parents, you know, did not go to college. So she was really navigating the whole college admission kind of by herself. Uh, I am really big on understanding financial aid when you go to college. It is great. 
that you get accepted to all these schools. That is awesome. Congratulations, but it's going to come down to that financial aid package. And do you understand the loans? Do you understand all of this or what you're getting yourself into? Um, and so building that relationship with her, um, I love it that she is able to call on me anytime. This young lady has graduated from high school already um, and, and help and trying to help her make informed decisions. I'm all about making informed decisions. So fine. Your first semester, you ain't feeling it? Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> I just want you to make an informed decision. Um, and so just the fact that uh, we're still connected. Um, she just called me the other day, asked me about a tax form that she knew nothing about. Um, but just being a resource is, is what I think is, is the joyful part. Um, and knowing that she has someone that um, is in her corner for real, for real, um, and can give non-judgmental advice or no advice at all. Uh, sometimes you just want people to listen. You don't want to hear what they got to say. Um, but just knowing that and being able to be that for her, I think is Black joy. Yes. And I'm going to tell all the students here at Tech, my Black joy is watching all of you pass your classes or when you've worked really hard to change the grade. Like, y'all don't understand how happy that makes myself and all your other teachers, but when I see y'all working hard, and I know you've worked hard, and oh, I passed geometry this semester, I passed Spanish this semester, I'm so proud of y'all, y'all just don't even know how proud of you guys I am every time y'all pass a class that you struggle with. I'm just elated. And so that's, that's really been a joy um, working with you guys, just seeing, seeing it come up. It's just been a real joy, you guys, and I just wanna let you guys know that. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of spearhead this a little bit because we don't have a lot of time left and I do wanna have time to be able to, for you guys to be able to um, ask questions. So at this time, while I'm asking my last couple of questions to the panelists, anybody, teachers, students, um, if you have a question for the panelists, would you please drop it? So that way we can um, get some of those answered before we go. Drop it at this time in the chat. And then I'm going to ask one more question um, to the panelists before we have our little Q&A. How about that? Okay. So um, one of my last questions will be, um, it's about mentorship, but I'm kind of going to layer it so I can get, you know, a couple of them in there at once. Okay, so I want to know what is the best piece of advice that someone has given to you? Um, did you have a mentor to give you this advice, right? Did you have somebody in your life specifically a mentor to give you this advice? And what is the advice that you would give to either your younger self or um, a young person today? So let me say that one more time because it's like a question. Right. <laughs> Say one more time. So the first question is, is what is the best piece of advice someone has given to you? That's first. Second is, did a mentor, like did a mentor play a part in giving you this advice? And then what advice would you give either to yourself or a young person today? Those are the three. Okay. And make sure you guys are chatting us because I would love to see any questions that you have for our panelists, teachers, students. Just want to make sure that you guys are chatting us. Okay, so I'm going to start with Miss Kayla. All right. If you need to repeat, you let me know. I, girl, I was taking notes because that was. <laughs> Um, so you asked, what is the best piece of advice? So I haven't gotten this from a mentor, but I like to think that she my mentor in my head and that is Issa Rae. And the best piece of advice that I got from her is to work across and stop trying to work up. Everybody wants to work with like the Issa Rae's or everybody want to work with Oprah or everybody want to work with Tyler Perry. And it's about building your community where you are at. Um, and a lot of folks are scared to do that because I, I don't want people taking my ideas, right? Or I don't want them to get the credit for what I'm doing or whatever it is. Like people have their fears of working around, like, you know, the people that are on their same level. Um, but Issa Rae said, you know, it's good to work across. And also Martin Lawrence did that. He worked across and he put his friends on 
you know, he got his people into the business and doing the things that they're doing now. And I think that's a lot of what she's doing. And I think that that's dope. Just like create your own community and work within that community and then y'all can rise up together. Um, and then you said, what is a piece of advice that I would have given to my younger self? And that would be to do it if ain't nobody else doing it. Um, and I'm saying that to say, like, I was the different one of my friends. I was the different one um, of my family. Um, so it was like, oh, I really don't want to do that because I don't want to be this eyeball or I don't want to be different or I don't want to be this person um, that is just always challenging the status quo um, because then people will look at me like, oh, who she thinks she is? Oh, how she gets to do that or whatever, whatever. So do it even if you have no support. Do it if nobody else is doing it. If it's something that you really want to do, it's something that you really desire, do it. Yes. And I want to piggyback. We got a lot of students that are entrepreneurs in our school, students that sell lip gloss, students that do hair. We even had a student that was painting jackets and like, who paints jackets? But it's like the best. When I saw his jacket, it was the sweetest thing. And just i'm sure that nobody around him was doing that no and he was and so i really want to reiterate that message it doesn't matter who's do, who is or who's not if it's for you you do it yeah love that okay next i'm going to my girl naisha and we're asking those same two questions and you let me know if you need me to repeat them because i did you know no, I I'm, did, I'm the person asking the question so i gotta remember <laughs> But um, I do have a mentor, and he gave me this advice before he was my mentor. Um, and he told me, so I've been running Carverstone for four years now. So last year, we have, uh, last year was our third year. We just started making money. So he sat me down one day in office, and he was like, until your business start making money, you got a hobby. When I said, when I heard him say this to me, I wanted to cuss him out so bad. I was so mad. I'm like, no, you didn't just say everything I work for every day is a hobby. But it really made me change my way of thinking and just to go into, you know, entrepreneurship it's more than just like writing an article. It's more than just interviewing people. Like, what is my business model? Who are my customers? Like, just him saying those specific words to me really opened up my mind to like, okay, now I'm thinking, I know how to make $100,000 this year based on how many customers I get in the packages I have. You know, if he didn't say those one words to me, who knows where I would have been. Like now I have a consistent income. Now I have an apartment. I've been struggling to have an apartment for like years. So like, I really appreciate him for saying that to me. And I really appreciate the bluntness. I'm super blunt. And so people don't like to be blunt with me. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, I really appreciate when people are like brutally honest with me because that's the only way I can grow. Um, advice I would give to young, younger people is it's okay if people tell you no. Like so many people have told me no, but um, just don't take that for what it is. You, it's okay to question why somebody told you no. Like literally ask them, like, okay, what did I do wrong or what could I have improved on? And, you know, that's okay. And it, it's okay to be told no, but you have to know that's a part of life. Everybody's going to get told no, whether it's Beyonce, Jay-Z, um, the mayor, literally no matter what it is, like we, we have to understand we should have to be so, stop being so self-entitled. People have the right to not work with us. People have the right to like just not do, have to do anything with us. But realize that sometimes people have a specific reason why they don't want to work with you well i don't really like your business ethic so maybe go change your business ethic or maybe it's this or you know work on those things and if they still don't want to work with you move on but there are always somebody that's willing to say yes to you so don't let somebody just say no and it bring you down and make you hurt or whatever like it's okay to cry about it fall down but always get back up like so just don't give up it's okay to like be told no like everybody's going to be told no if they haven't already like just expect that out of life like People ain't gonna like you. My mom literally told me, it's people today that don't like her and she don't know why and she don't like some people just because. Like, that's just a part of life. You have to just start figuring those things out. Yes. Everybody is not gonna like you. You're not gonna be for everybody, but you will be for somebody. Yes. Okay. Last on the list is Miss Tiana. Yes. Okay. Um, this is difficult but i'll go with the first thing that comes to my mind uh so as far as um a piece of advice that i received don't remember who it was from but it was probably from one of the couple of black women who i deem as a mentor even though we don't have those official titles but one of them was uh your life is not your own um, and so it fits for me in that um i do feel a sense of obligation that um, if I'm eating, then we all eating. Like, 
if I'm doing this, then I'm definitely bringing whoever with me along. And I just can't forget the community where I come from um, or that history. And so I always keep that with me in a, in a society where it's extremely individualistic, um, where it's like, well, I got mine, good luck type of deal. Like, that's just not, that's just, I just don't feel comfortable with that. So I use, I keep that my life is not my own um, to keep me grounded um, in, in what I'm doing and to always remember uh, where I come from and family, friends, all that good stuff. What I would tell my younger self is to really trust your skill set and trust that you can do it. I think there's so many mixed messages or negative messages um, about you know, what you have the power to do. Meanwhile, there are a whole bunch of people with like top jobs who don't know what they're doing, who don't know. There's a lot of people who got jobs from just networking, a lot of jobs from nepotism, meaning they family hooked them up and they know not nothing of what they're doing. Um, and uh, so trust your skill set and trust what you bring to the table, period. Period. Okay. So at this time, well, first of all, let me go back before I try to rush. I want to say that um, I really agree with what you said, because I believe that you will always be blessed when you help other people. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a teacher. I was just telling a friend of mine yesterday, I said, I'm a teacher because I like to help people. I'm a teacher because I think the kids need what I have. And I'm all, I have always been blessed. You know, things might not have always gone my way, but I've always been blessed because I'm always helping somebody else. And it doesn't have to be money, but it could be opening a door. It could be giving a positive word of affirmation to somebody. Just something as little as that. Okay, so I just wanted to push that in there. We have about 10 minutes left. And I do wanna open the floor for questions. If you guys have any questions about what was said, if you have any questions about anything, we want you to go ahead and put them into the chat. Um, so that way you can get them answered. And I'm also gonna put the link for that song that I said inspired this um, panel in the chat too, just in case you wanna go listen to it. Uh, Ms. B, I wish I had you as a teacher. You dope as like. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Have you. And I just want to put out there, you said it's entrepreneurs at Tech. So next month on March 8th until March 15th, applications for my COVID grant is open. So you don't have to be any specific age. You just have to be an entrepreneur and somehow pivot during COVID. We at least giving away $200. We giving away $1,200, $700, $500. So we're still raising money. So to you entrepreneurs out there, um, definitely just stay um, in tune with it. Applications open up next month. So free money for y'all to use for gas, supplies, like literally whatever you want. Um, it's your money. So if you win it, you win it. Okay. I love that. So just to reiterate y'all, she has scholarship opportunities for the young entrepreneurs that's on this call. She's trying to give y'all some coins and give you some funds to do what you need to do. So you need to tap in. Okay. All right. So could you, Naisha, put that link in for them again? Um, because yeah. somebody that's how it works. I'll put my I'll put the link to my website and then also my email just in case you have any questions I want to be updated as soon as the application is open. Okay. So if you want to be updated and you have a question about the application, there's the contact information. And that's for young entrepreneurs. So the first thing we have here in the chat, you guys, is it Nia or Naya? We I'm gonna ask, would you come off a of mute? Um I believe it's Naya. You don't have to turn your camera on and just speak for us what you wanted to say. Let's see. Oh, um, well, like, um, cause when I like when I was doing like my work and stuff, I would I would get like really like frustrated and stuff. And my mom will always and like I would go ask I would ask my mama like mom what would you like what what are like things that you did to help you when you were frustrated in school and she would tell me and she like and she would tell me like I wasn't I wasn't frustrated but she was like I was frustrated but like I I worked hard you know what I'm saying and 
did what I had to do to get my work done. And like sometimes I would have like breakdowns like, man, why can I understand this? Like, why can't why can I get this right? You know, and stuff like that. And my mom would tell me, it's okay. It's it's going to get hard, but you can't give up. You got to work hard and push yourself. Yes, you never give up. We don't have a choice. We can, What? We can't give up? Never. And so I'm really proud of, thankful for your mom for saying that to you. And I'm really proud of you for listening to her um, and continuing to push yourself forward because it, it's, it's easy to give up. People think it's, it's easy. Oh, I'm just giving up, child, walking away. I don't want nothing to do with this. It's easy to give up. But what you're doing is, is really great, and we appreciate you. Okay. And so I, and it, can I add something real quick? Also, um, start observing how best you learn, too. So sometimes if, let's say you're a visual learner. I'm a visual learner. I can get a dance step in no time if I'm actually seeing it rather than somebody explaining it to me. So I would encourage you like, yes, never give up, but also don't be afraid to seek out help. Uh, I always tell students, don't leave nobody's office until you understand exactly what that person said. I don't care if they have to repeat it, especially like when it comes to like stuff like college admission stuff or financial aid, I don't care. Don't get off the phone until you understand. And now if they have to uh, ask the, uh, answer your question in 50 million different ways, they'll adjust. But also, so one, make sure that you ask questions and don't feel like you're wasting a person's time. Uh, and number two, also think about how you learn. So if you're a visual learner, that means they're gonna have to find some way to show you how to do this first. Uh, maybe it's better being explained and they need to explain it in a different way, but just pay attention to that too. So you know how to um, make your request known and to also uh, better advocate for yourself. And I wanna piggyback on that and say, if you guys are struggling here at Tech right now, I guarantee you, Office hours are over at 3.30, but I guarantee you, if you told a teacher, hey, I don't know what's going on, I need some help, every teacher on this call will stay on with you in those office hours and get the help. And so I really want to plug in that we are really here for you guys, and we know that things have been hard with the um, pandemic, but we're here for you. And whatever we need to do to help you um, grow and move along and understand, everybody, I know it. Everybody on this call will do the same. Okay, so I'm going to ask, I believe this might be our last question, which is from Samira, and I'm going to ask her to come off of mute. And this is the last question. Um, she asked, um, Tiana, what did you experience or like? But I want her to come off of mute to kind of... Um, you know, give us more insight onto that question. So, Samira, I hope I said that right. Please come off mute if you can, sweetie. Let's see if we can get her. Uh-oh, are you here? Do you need help? Are you here? Yeah, I'm here. So just kind of give us some clarity on what you mean by what you experienced. Like, I'm just saying, like, what did she experience on, like, what? Like, like what did she experience on what she did for the, um, like, that community then? For the black community, like what did she experience? Experience about that, and like what did she like about? It? Okay, so let me make sure I got this right. What did Diana like, experience in her community work? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, um. I guess that will be our last question for the night. For, it's Twitter. 
<laughs> so what did what did I experience? So when when I lived in Ghana, it was an amazing experience. So one, Africa is a continent. Let's get that. Let's get our geography straight. Yep, it's not a country; it's a continent. And Ghana is in West Africa. Um, but like, imagine uh, getting off a plane and you're like, "Ooh, blackness everywhere, just everywhere, just twenty four seven. It was beautiful. Um, so experienced a lot of great camaraderie. A lot of the people that um, when I lived there, I connected with. I'm still connected with a lot of the young people that I worked with. Um, I'm still connected with them. They're now like Naisha's age. Um, and so um, it was just a beautiful experience. And I, the thing is, I haven't had a bad experience working in my community, um, primarily Black communities. I just haven't. Um, I think because of my experience thus far, and I do a lot of reading, I'm able to understand like where things coming from. So like when Ms. V was talking about how a lot of the, you know, the, the ribbon and all that other stuff came from our own, like I'm able to kind of put that in context and not, you know, hate my people for it. Um, and so my experience has always been excellent. Um, and I think the relationship building is important. I think reading, reading and his, his story, history, like even if you are not reading books, like there's a whole bunch of documentaries out there. I love film, of course, um, where you can get that um, just to help me put into context the work that I'm doing. Um, and so I can really understand the why of something and not just blame like, oh, black people this, black people that. There's like, there, there are reasons for a lot of different things. Um, and so I'm able to put that in context. So in general, my experience has been great. Wait, sorry, I was on mute. So um, it is 12.35. I do want to thank the three panelists um, for being here and just want to re reiterate to you guys what this was about. It's really about um, Black women in Milwaukee moving and shaking sharing with us their experience about how it is to show up as themselves, um, advice that they could give themselves and give to you guys, um, and just the experience in totality. And so I am gonna pass this back to Mr. Portis, so that way if he wants, he can dismiss everybody as he sees fit. Uh, thank you for the handoff. Uh, first of all, I just wanna say thank you to the entire panel um, thank you for taking the time out. You all are doing amazing things and could be doing anything else, right? Um, but you took time out y'all day to, to, to pour into our young people here at Tech. Uh, and so as a community, we're just super appreciative of that. Um, Ms. Mrs. Vogel, uh, amazing, amazing job as well. But I also want to like give some other folks uh, their flowers, uh, some folks that we have on staff. So like Ms. Bird, uh, Ms. Hegwood, um, Pfeiffer from VFZ, um, Miss Ruffin, uh, Paris, Cash, or Miss Cash, I should say. Um, and if, like, if I, if I forgot, you know, blame it on my, my head, not my heart. Um, but again, thank you. And just a reminder, right? Like this is part of, uh, like our Black Lives Matter, um, year of purpose, right? Like it started as, as a week of action. Um, but, but this year we really, um, are intentional about it, an entire year of purpose. And so some of those, you know, we're tying it back to those 13 principles from BLM. Uh, and so just some of the things that we touched on today or that I noticed, right? One, obviously black women. Um, and just two is intergenerational, right? Like we, we had a, a range of different age groups and I know Kayla especially um, has these like intergenerational conversations on, on her platform. Uh, and then the last one is just being unapologetically black, right? Uh, and that's not to say that you have to um, like not do what you're supposed to do, right? Like uh, it still means like, you know, taking care of business, but at the same time, we're saying like, it's totally okay to do things that are natural to you. Um, and so with that being said, I, again, thank you all students for, for staying locked in and staying um, uh, with open ears. Uh, our panelists, thank you again. Um, yeah, I'm gonna let you all go because what, tutoring, office hours, all of that good stuff. Happy it's Friday. Lunch. It's lunch and the people got to eat, okay? <laughs> so take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Have a great day, you guys. I see you all are putting it in the chat. Have a great day, y'all. Bye. Have a great, great day. Hey, Norshima, I miss you. Have a great day. Have a great, great day, everybody. All right, Dom, if you want to end the meeting, you can. Oh, okay. I'll just make sure anybody had no last questions or nothing. All right, that's it. All right. All right. Appreciate it again, always. Always, always. <laughs>